bring him in. Joining us now on the Maple Toyota Hotline is Marty Baron. What's up, Marty? What's up, Andy? Long time no talk. I know you don't call me anymore. Speaking of like eating junk food, Marty was the king <laughs> of junk food in his car because he would make the drive from Buffalo to the yeah. TSN studio. We've we've worked many a playoff nights together, Marty, and I would always look forward yeah. to whatever candy you would just well pull out of your car. Sometimes the candy was a little mushy. Uh, a little stuck together because it was sitting in a very hot car during the drive, but it didn't matter. We all wanted a good sugar fix. So what candy are we eating these days? Well, I don't know. Tonight may be one of those nights. Uh, I'm just about to walk into our studio in Buffalo to do the Sabres-Leaves game from uh, you know pregame and intermission here in Buffalo. And usually when we're in studio, we got pretty good. We Sometimes they have donuts, sometimes it's just chocolate bars. The other day, I brought back from Canada a bunch of Canadian chocolate, and there was a huge bin in there. So, yeah, I like to treat my people, Andy, and uh, hopefully uh, they still have some leftovers. What is Canadian chocolate? I'm sorry. What is? I thought the States kind of well, no, had everything like the, we had. The, the Smarties, the Kit Kats, the Coffee Crisp, the Aeros, the oh. Caramel. Like, those are the Canadian chocolate. Even the Kit Kats in the U.S., are different and we don't have the other kinds right Hmm. so yeah the chocolate is different i had a long chat with bruce boudreau on trade deadline day because he lives in hershey pennsylvania and i said i once had a huge blowout fight argument with somebody from hershey when i said canadian chocolates are better and this person wanted to like toe-to-toe fight me (laughs) on the fact that american chocolates (laughs) were better because in hershey pennsylvania it's chocolate factory. So Bruce Boudreaux actually said it's the milk. They use different milk, I guess, and it makes Canadian chocolates better. Wow. Oh, Interesting. Cows I like are it. better than your <laughs> cows. Marty, what's the outlook for the Sabres right now? They've fallen back a little bit. And if you go back a couple weeks, out of all those teams that were in the playoff picture on the outside looking in, they would have been up there with the favorites. They had the best goal differential. They were playing some pretty good hockey. Now they've fallen back quite a bit. What's everyone kind of feeling there in Buffalo? Well, I think the injuries have hurt the Sabres a little bit, and they were pretty much healthy all season, uh, apart from losing Matthias Samuelson early in the year, and that led to an eight-game losing streak. Uh, Matthias Samuelson now is week-to-week. Eric Comrie is week-to-week. Uh, Ressus Dahlin is expected to go tonight. But yesterday they said he'd be day-to-day. Alex Stuck, I would expect, will go tonight. Uh, but he was week-to-week and missed eight games. And the Sabres were 2-5-1 and, and one in those eight games. So I think that Alex Stuck, uh, in his absence, was, was really hard. So last week was a tough week, right? They played a really good game against the Oilers on Monday and lost because Stuart Skinner was really good. And then they go into Long Island and lose that one on a distant kicking motion. Don't get me started. And Noodles, I hope you saw it. And I, <laughs> I hope did. you can comment on it. But it was like Hudson Fashing kicking the puck in, and it went off his shin pad. Uh, and then they got spanked by Dallas, and obviously they lost in OT to the Rangers. So this last week was tough. But if they can, you know, they, they have four games this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. If they can, go 3-1. and one. I think they find themselves back in the uh, in the picture here. So, Marty, when you look at this team, 
I mean, they're playing meaningful minutes right now. I kind of look at it uh, same as the Ottawa Senators. You know, they've got some good young players that are coming. Uh, I love Buffalo's defensive core as far as that top four. They're what twenty three and under, pretty impressive. Um, yeah. What do they need to add to get to that next level? Or you know, as I will ask them, and I know it's UPL, but it's what is it, Upaluka? Pukkanen. <laughs> like I just butcher his name all the time, and I, I, I'm having fun with it. But do you see him as a guy that is the kind of future in net for them? Are they are they kind of sorted in every position moving forward, or are they going to need to add a little bit more to get to that next level? So I could see them adding a piece up front at some point, but that would come with uh, subtracting a couple of pieces, right? So. A couple right. of candidates for trades in the offseason and maybe next year would be like Casey Middlestad and Victor Olofsson because, look, you've got a lot of prospects, forward prospects, that are going to come through. Matt Savoy, right? Great Canadian junior player in Winnipeg. At some point, he'll need a spot. You have a kid named Yuri Kulik in Rochester. The guy's a stud, um, but he's only 19 years old. I think he just turned 20. Um, so they're going to need to open a couple of spots up front, and I, I'd like them to add... Uh, maybe a veteran piece up front as well. Obviously, like, I always throw Patrick Kane's name out there just because Kaner is from Buffalo and he'll be a UFA this summer. So maybe, maybe that's the avenue they want to go. On defense, Noodle, just like you said, I love their top four. Um, I think with Dallin and Power, they're set for a long, long time. So yeah. it's just about managing their depth. Now, goaltending to me is, is a big question mark. Lukanen's still young, he's still just 23 years old, and he's had to battle a lot of injuries of late, so he doesn't have the, the minutes, and he's getting it this year. So that's good. I'm, I'm still not sure. The jury's still out on Lukanen if he's going to be a number one goaltender in the NHL or just a backup, a journeyman, which is, is fine. I mean, you're top 64 goalies in the league. That's fine, but I, journey's still out. Eric Comrie, unfortunately, has been hurt a lot this year, and he's week-to-week now still, so that's going to affect it. But the wild card, the wild card is Devin Levi, right? Northeastern lost this weekend. They're most likely not going to be in the uh, NCAA hockey tournament. I would anticipate Levi to sign at some point and maybe play some games in Buffalo this year or sign a tryout and play in Rochester to finish the season there and the playoffs. But... I think Levi is coming out of college this year, and maybe that's your guy of the future. So maybe you don't want to rush to make a trade or sign a free agent because you've got somebody in-house. Marty Baron joining us here on Overdrive. Speaking of goaltending, the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to go once again with Matt Murray. Keith saying he wants him to get minutes and wants to also just continue to rest Samsonov, who went on quite a run with Murray being out. When it comes to question marks around the Toronto Maple Leafs, is that still a big one for you heading into the playoffs? Is just the goaltending position? Yeah, it is. I mean, if you ask me who's going to start game one of the playoffs, for me the answer is easy. It's Ilya Samsonov or Samsonov. I don't know if they change it back or not, the way they pronounce the last name, but I would pick him. Samsonov, for me, would be the guy. Now, I get that Murray... Uh, needs to play a little bit, and, and they have the luxury of being able to rest some guys or manage minutes or manage starts in games when it comes to their goaltenders. Uh, and Murray, listen, against the Oilers, played well. Um, yeah, it's four goals on, what, 26 or 28 shots, so it's not 900 save percentage, but I felt like there was a lot of good scoring chances, and he was, he was good. 
So this is a good step forward and saying let's keep Murray in. Let's see if he can build some momentum, if he can play some catch-up a little bit because he missed so much this year. But the guy has got to be Samsonov, and, and if he's healthy and if he's rested, I think he gives the least the best chance to go on a run and win at least one, maybe two, maybe even more in the playoffs. Marty, how hard would it be going into a playoff series knowing that it is going to be a tandem and at some point both goalies will be expected to play, whether it's from the coach's point of view or the player's point of view? Because, you know, it's traditional that one guy gets hot, he gets on a roll. It's like it's that guy's net. But now if you know you're going in with a tandem, you know at some point someone's getting in. So how long is that leash? When do you make that decision? Do you make it too early? Do you make it too late? And then, you know, you're kind of screwed that way. How does... Like, how much thought goes into that? Well, I don't like going into the playoffs with a tandem. I get that over the last few years we've had teams that have used both goaltenders by necessity because of injuries. Even last year, Colorado, right? Kemper got hurt, missed a few games, came back. Like, it's rare that we see the same goaltender win 16 straight. Like, Vasilevsky's done it a couple of years in a row, fine. But, you know, before that, there was always, like, even the Washington Capitals, it wasn't Braden Holby the whole way. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh and, and, and have done the same thing with Murray and Flurry and Jeff Zadkoff. If you remember that one, yeah. the first cup in back-to-back yeah. years, it was Jeff Zadkoff that started. But that's a, if it's a necessity. I don't like a team that's in. Well, we have a good tandem going into the playoffs. Then you're not in the right position because I can tell you this: in the Eastern Conference, it's Lena Solmark, it's Andre Vasilevsky, it's Igor Shesterkin. It's Vitek Vanacek, um, Sorokin. You know, Carolina, it's Freddie Anderson, but yes, yeah, Sorokin, it's Jari. They all know who their goalies are going to be. You don't want to go in saying, we have a good tandem. I, I don't think it works in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that also when you look at it, it bodes well for the confidence of the group if you trust one guy because sometimes yeah. i've heard this saying before if you if you have two number ones you actually don't have a true number one because you're all, if a guy falters you're always going well you should have gone with the other guy and that's in any sport a quarterback you, you name it goaltending pitching so i i feel like if, if somebody separates himself that has to be the, your guy heading in and you sink or swim with them uh marty i was going to ask about tage thompson if if Buffalo somehow squeaks their way into the playoffs, would you have him up in that heart? Con- I mean, it's basically a, a a fight for second for the heart this year. Whoever, because McDavid's getting it. But would you have Thompson in a conversation for it at least? Um, yeah, it depends how many goals back of Connor McDavid he is. Right? I mean, yeah. if Connor McDavid lights it up and ends up at sixty five, and now all of a sudden Thompson gets to fifty one, you're like, wow, that's fourteen goals difference. I would think David Pasternak, for me, is in that conversation, right, just because of the impact, even though the Bruins are, you know, going out there shattering records and whatnot, but I think that Pasternak's impact for that team has been fantastic. You probably can put Lena Solmark in there uh, because, as it is right now, he's the only goaltender that has a goals against average below two uh, and one of only two goaltenders that have a safe percentage over 930. The other one is Philip Gustafson, and yesterday they giving up five goals to Arizona. It didn't help, but I, I think you've got McDavid, you've got Pasnack, you've got uh, Allmark. You probably have, you know, Carlson in the conversation. I mean, San Jose is so far back, but he's putting up numbers like we haven't seen from the back end, so I, I don't know that you put him in the heart. 
Thompson, I think you have to give him consideration. Um, but it also depends what the numbers will say at the end of the year. Now, he's been able to score without tucking the lineup. Uh, I think he has three goals in the last eight games, all without Alex Tuck. Uh, Jack Quinn was good on that line, and then Jordan Greedway played a little bit with them. But I think Sage Thompson with Alex Tuck and Skinner can get on a roll here. And if Thompson was to finish with 55, let's see, then you have to put him in a conversation. Uh, I've been asking an overarching question here since the start of the show, and why don't we dig into it now since we're talking hard? And it has more to do with Mitch Marner, who's you know once again having a strong season, Marty, uh, coming off a great game on Saturday as well. Yeah. Is this a player who in the future, I mean, I don't know where you see him even maybe this year, but in the future, is he part of a heart conversation? Is this guy uh, part of a Selkie conversation? Do you see any one of those awards in his future? Oh, Selkie for sure. Uh, heart, I had him at my midway point this year as number two on my heart. Like, I don't get a vote, but, you know, you do your own voting internally and you write it down. And I had Mitch Marner uh, up there second behind Connor McDavid. Uh, now, I think that the numbers with some of the other players are going to be so impressive that you won't be able to look away. And maybe that's why. Mitch Marner won't get uh, a top three heart uh, finalist by the end of it. But his overall game, you know, when it comes to five-on-five play, penalty killing, power play, his ability to control the pace of games. And and people say, well, yeah, but he's he's just a winger. Well, you know what? There's not a lot of wingers out there that control pace of game, that push the, you know, the boundaries of, of what you can do. And Mitch Marner does it. So... Um, yeah, I would definitely say in due time, he will be uh, in the hard conversation. He may be like top five this year, but I don't put him top three. I, I would think Selkie right away, Marty, because oh, yeah. to be in the heart, first of all, you need to score a little more than Mitch Marner does. Like the guys that yeah. are winning the heart, like Matthew scored 60 last year. McDavid's going to probably score 60 this year. And then the other thing, it's... McDavid's not going anywhere anytime soon. Dreisaitl, Kucherov, these kind of guys that are, you know, heart kind of quality guys, they're still there. But the guys that win the Selkie regularly, like if it's Kopitar or Bergeron, they have game or left. But they're, but or they're, Bergeron. Right. But, or Bergeron. Yeah. But they're, they're on the back end. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Bergeron. Same like Lidstrom used to win the Norris yeah. every single year. Right. But those guys yeah. are, are on the back nine. So for Mitch Marner, yes, he's a winger, but. Man, is he hard to play against. He plays in all situations, and like his defensive awareness in his game probably lends itself to winning a Selkie before it does a heart. What makes a absolutely, I'm, I'm 100% uh, concur with all of that, and what makes Mitch Marner so dominant in all aspects of the game is his instincts, right? And when you talk about, you know, Bergeron or Kopitar, their instincts are great, but I remember when, man, the Bob Gainey of this world and Yuri Lettinen and, and Michael Pekka and the Guy Carboneau, those guys were winning Selkie trophies just because they were good defensively. And that's all yeah. they did, right? Mitch Marner is today's new generation of player that will win the Selkie and still put up amazing numbers 
and just dominate in all three zones. It's not just about, well, this guy blocks shots, and look look at how well he cleared the zone off the glass and out, and how good he plays defense, <laughs> no. right? It's not, this is not Mitch Marner. But, yeah, I would say Selkie this year, definitely. All right, Marty, yeah. it's been great talking to you. Enjoy those treats. Have a good call tonight. Absolutely, thanks. Good talking to all three of you guys. There you go. That is Marty Bernron joining us here on the Maple Toyota Hotline. Build your next dream Toyota at Maple Toyota. And check out Maple Toyota's pre-owned inventory arriving daily. It's time to Toyota. Visit mapletoyota.com. And I'm sure you guys have been you know, given the love. I mean, rightfully so to give it to Mitch Marner. But even Austin Matthews, every year he's been in the NHL now, 30 goals. Yeah. He's now, I mean, among American-born players... And maybe you're already having this conversation. Like, is he already the greatest? There's a, there's a lot. I mean, I know everyone's going to go, Patrick Kane right away. Like, kind of hold your horses, right? Like, I, I know that there are so many great players from, you know, the States. But he's, so seven consecutive 30-goal seasons for Austin Matthews. He's one behind Pat LaFontaine, who as American-born player had eight. I mean, I don't yeah. see why we would have any reason to believe why this wouldn't happen, even for Austin Matthews. You know, moving forward, it's just so incredible. Well, but. it likely it likely will happen. It's just hard to leapfrog Patrick Kane and everything that he's done at this point in right. his career. And at some how point, how many uh, Stanley Cups does he have again? Because my theme is trophies. This uh, free this show, apparently. Andy, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it's hard to just leapfrog, but with the progression and the way he's obviously built his career, you would think yeah. we will get to the point in a few years where we can say Austin Matthews is the greatest American-born player. But you hate to be the best player that never won, right? Like, for the longest time in golf, it was Phil Mickelson who was the best player to never win a major. And then the attention turned to Sergio, best golfer to never win a major and you don't want to be that hockey player right like son but that's why i said that about Connor mcdavid earlier like right. that's what and, kind and of breaks he, my heart a little he bit falls when we into that him. same category as well yeah yeah i mean no that's true but trophies like they it took alex ovechkin how long to win like yeah. it was what 13 years like it takes time you know for for guys to break through it's how you're surrounded your your situations it's luck it's health all of sure. those types of things but i would argue you know, Matthews is on that trajectory. Like, Jerome McGinley, I think, is one of the greatest players who ever played the game. Never won a Stanley Cup. Now, he did win gold medals that's right. on yeah. biggest stages. You know, that that's where I, I, I go back to. Yes, winning as a team matters. Yeah. But, you know, there are guys who have three Stanley Cups who were fourth liners. Well, They've, you and, know, that's... And- you can still be a Hall of Famer, right? Like Matt Sundin didn't win any, and it didn't win a Stanley Cup. There's there's players that have not won Stanley Cups, but they've had incredible careers, and they're right. regarded as the best in their country or Hall of Famers and all that stuff. And Austin Matthews will eventually be that. Yeah. yeah. Listen, their careers are far from over, so there's still plenty of time to do yeah. what I know. What Gord Miller likes to say: Alexander Ovechkin apparently went to Canadian Tire and bought uh, the cement, the legacy cement in aisle three. And cemented his legacy, however many years into Love his it. career. Yeah. So maybe those guys can do that too. Uh, Luke Wilson's going to be joining us, our TSN NFL analyst. Have you guys been watching by any chance his new show that he's on, The Ultimate Challenge, where he's the coach and he's got to avoid elimination? I've and seen stuff? some clips. I've seen clips online. I haven't been able to catch it on television, but he's good, man. Like he pulled out right. the old NFL kind of yes, he did playbook the other day. He was giving them some tough love. It was nice to see our pal out there. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm more concerned. Like, he cut his salad. I just want to know yeah. how it went down in that transaction. And oh, I know the, the story. Process was you know the that. story, Andy? Okay. Oh, okay. I've had a chance to speak to Luke after the fact. I'll have him share the story. Yeah. Um, okay, but let's it, just say it. it was unexpected. It, he really? did not go in thinking it was going to happen. Oh, so no. I will have him share that story. Luke Wilson's right, going to be joining us next on Overdrive. Don't go anywhere.